Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add our podcast, Ye Old Crime, with an E in old, in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. The Oracle Network. Hello and welcome to Ye Old Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me is my sister and co-host, Maddie Stengel. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Tired. Party too hard on your birthday? Little. Yeah. It was very, uh, very busy, which I can go into more detail about during our something, something good segment good. so if you want to hear about it you have to hear listen all the way to the end and you can't skip anything or you'll be cursed to share this podcast with five of your friends <laughs> <laughs> or you'll have bad luck for five years pass it on we're now a chain email <laughs> jokes on you guys you are cursed. Could you imagine if podcasts started doing that scam too? Oh my God. So this is our second episode. In our birthday month. In our birthday month where Maddie has chosen the topic. Maddie's chosen the topic and, and probably forgotten them and will stay surprised. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> the memory of a goldfish. So this week's topic is medieval tax evasion. I totally forgot about this. <laughs> I could tell by the look on your face as you paused. Well, yeah, because I was like, tax evasion. I don't know what I was thinking. Probably that it, it sounds so obscure, it'll be hilarious. It was an interesting deep dive. I bet. Yield 99%. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> information was pulled from the following sources a 2021 mental floss article by tony dunnell 2019 atlas obscura article by matthew taub 2019 the guardian article by mark brown 2019 smithsonian magazine article by melan solly 2015 all things georgian article by sarah murden 2015 history learning site article published by cn truman and wikipedia Ooh, ooh all right and links to all of these articles will be included in the show notes. So no one really likes paying taxes. No. I mean, sure, they pay for a lot of great things, you know, schools, city mm -hmm. upgrades, like the sewers that we mentioned last week. Yeah, that definitely needed taxes to get done. Yeah. And more things. Would you like your kids to live? <laughs> yeah. Past pay the taxes. age of five. Plus, you know, this year, mm -hmm. this month. But... For people who make a lot of money, 
paying taxes can be like coughing up a lung or a kidney. Oh, yeah. So hard. It's so hard. Devastating. And after a cache of ancient coins was discovered in 2019, historians started to wonder if tax evasion has been around a lot longer than we thought. Oh, it definitely has. Oh, yeah. (laughs) A thousand percent. I just thought of like offshore accounts as like a chest (laughs) off the shore (laughs) of some like place in like Sweden. Or like in the Tortugas. Yeah. Actual offshore accounts are just like on an island somewhere surrounded by turtles. So people can't, won't know. They're just in doubloons in like chess. There's just a bunch of baby turtles in doubloons. (laughs) (laughs) The turtles can't escape because the gold is so heavy. So they just like hang out with the gold. They're like, I guess we live here now. That's how land turtles started. (laughs) Offshore Texas. Also known as tortoises. <laughs> Taxes, tortoises. It all checks out. All makes sense. We solved it. All makes sense. Take that, Darwin. End of the episode. Congratulations, everyone. <laughs> did it. Good good work. Good work. We did it. <laughs> Take that. History. <laughs> so in January of 2019, a collection of 11th century coins was discovered in southwestern England in Somerset by a group of metal detectorists in Chu Valley. Nice. So there were 1,236 coins that date back to the very short reign of King Harold II in 1066, and 1,310 coins from the first few years of the reign of William I after the Battle of Hastings and the Norman Conquest. So somebody hoarded their cash and then forgot about it or died. Yep. So King Harold II was the last Anglo-Saxon king of England, and William the Conqueror was the first Norman king of England. So not only did they find this like huge cache of money, but they discovered that three of the coins were forgeries known as mules, which were made by blending different coin faces in the hopes that they could avoid taxes when the new dies were cast. Hilarious. Of the mules... Two have Harold's image on one side and William's on the reverse. And one has the face of Edward the Confessor, who was the king prior to King Harold's reign. Okay. So the coins themselves have designs and language that relate to either King Harold or King William, as people at that time were largely illiterate and would just use the coinage based on the imagery on the coins to kind of understand what tender it was. And during this time in England, I mean, obviously, currency is seen as a necessary evil for both rich and poor alike. Mm-hmm. And during the time in which these coins would have been in circulation, the southwestern area of England was a pretty violent place that you wouldn't necessarily want to be living in. Wasn't that just, you know, any time <laughs> ever, like even now? Well, particularly then, the Welsh would come through with raiding parties Fine. and... Not the video game kind? Not the video game kind, no. I'm going to murder your family kind? Yeah, not like land parties where they're going to just raid for hours on end to get all the the goodies. Not to mention that King Harold's sons were returning from Ireland as well. You've got these like two opposing forces that are coming through the area. And they're all angry and they all have weapons. Yep. And you're just there. (laughs) Yep. Congratulations, you exist. But not for long. 
feelings about England and their place in it. So with such political upheaval, no wonder someone thought it was a great idea to bury their money to keep it safe. Yeah, but like, what if you're the only one who knows where it is and the people you want to give it to don't know and then you die, which is probably what happened here. (laughs) Maybe. Or maybe he was, they were just like a curmudgeon person who was like, no one's going to get my money. And then they like just died out of spite after they buried the treasure. It's like the medieval equivalent of like hiding money under your mattress. Yes. <laughs> so when the British Museum valued the find, the entire hoard of coins would have been enough to purchase an entire flock of 500 sheep during the years of 1067 to 1068 or even fund an army. Dang. Okay, so yeah. that was a really bitter person that buried that money. <laughs> that was a bitter Betty, for sure. So this find is historically significant because the number of discovered coins that bear the likeness of King Harold double the entire amount of coins that were previously known to still exist, bearing his image. And the coins bearing King William's likeness are equal to more than five times the amount of coins that were previously known to exist following his coronation as king in 1066. That's crazy. And when it comes to the collection of coins that were discovered... Hannah Furness of the Telegraph wrote that the total value of the find could be around five million pounds, which is just over six million dollars. Wow. You know, no big deal. Yeah. And this value may change depending on the coin's condition and how much of the cash goes up for sale. Yeah. Tom License from England's University of East Anglia wrote in the conversation that the likely culprit and previous owner of the coins was a member of the nobility, hoping to protect his riches given everything that was going on at the time. Yep. And then they totally got murdered or forgot where it was and lost five million (laughs) dollars. Yep. No army for you. No, No sheep for you. Sad to be you, bro. Sucks to suck. For the moment, all of it is at the British Museum until they can determine if they fall under the legal category of treasure. Because <sighs> this is a real is thing. This treasure? <laughs> is this treasure? Monies. <laughs> treasure monies. Monies treasure. So it's important because of the Treasure Act of 1996 that requires members of England, Wales, or Northern Ireland to report fines of this nature to their local coroner who would initiate an investigation. We need to remember that a coroner is different in the UK than it is in the US. Okay, cool. I was like, what? (laughs) Because in the UK, a coroner is a lawyer or a doctor. In this case, it would be a lawyer. Okay. Okay. Because coroners... For us, are medical examiners or doctors? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm just imagining somebody going to the medical examiner's office and they're like, I found some treasure. Do you want it? <laughs> like, I want it, but I have to report it to you. He's just like in 90s it's bullshit. Like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> As he's like covered in like formaldehyde and stuff right. <laughs> from doing an autopsy. Yeah. He's like, you can't be in here, sir. This is a murder investigation. <laughs> he's like but treasure but but treasure you've piqued my interest i'll be right there (laughs) right just let me put this rib cage back together and i'll be right let me close up bill quick and then i'll I'll meet (laughs) you there so if the cash is classified as treasure the roman baths and pump room in bath england have expressed interest in purchasing the find 
when it comes to stuff like this, the museums and everything would have to raise the funds to legally purchase this find to be able to display it. They can't just be like, the I money? want that. So the money would be divided between the landowner where the discovery was made uh-huh. and the metal detectorist who found it. Okay, but I'm assuming the lawyer that they went to would get a cut. I'm sure the government gets a cut of something that would make the most That's sense. Yes. No one's doing this shit for free. But no. the person who owned the land and the people who found it would also get their share of whatever okay. the worth is determined to be if someone were to purchase it to display it. It's all too fair. It's not American enough. I don't like it. <laughs> I this found is this. Too, this is mine. This is too even. Why? <laughs> this makes sense. Why? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> you mean the lawyer doesn't take all of it? Why? <laughs> So what's fascinating about this find, besides the vast amount of wealth it represents, is the fact that it allows historians a chance to see the evolution of the English coin. Yeah, that is cool. So mints that weren't previously known to exist ended up being discovered. And linguistic changes were discovered as well because the old English began to be misused when the new dyes were cast as it went from being Anglo-Saxon to like these Norman conquerors who were trying to to use old English, but they didn't get it quite right. Oh my God. So it's like uh, Americans getting Chinese symbols on their arm and it says like chicken instead of serenity. Yeah. That's kind of like that. Yeah. That's hilarious. I really like that. Yeah. So now that we kind of, we've talked about the treasure. Bunch of chicken coins. <laughs> I'm going to take us back to the Middle Ages and talk about a little bit of what life would have been like for a peasant living in that time who still had to pay taxes and what that would have meant for them. And then we're going to do something fun at the end. Okay, cool. Because that's good. I I was like, I have a feeling this is going to become a downer like real quick. It's going to get sad. Then we're going to go back up again. It's going to be a roller coaster episode. Already don't have monies. Too bad. (laughs) Give us your toes. You don't need your toes. They're just dangling there anyway. (laughs) (laughs) All willy nilly. So during the Middle Ages, peasants lived an extremely harsh life working as farmers. Mm -hmm. Literally at the bottom of the feudal system, they would swear oaths on the Bible to serve their local lord. Therefore, also indirectly swore the same oath to the duke, earl or baron who owned the land they would work. Right. It's the CEO of your company that you were forced to work for. Yes. They still had to pay taxes to the church called tithes, which would equate to 10% of the value of what they farmed that year. Ouch. So this amount, depending on the harvest, could ruin a family. Yeah. But they could either pay the tithe with money or with an in-kind amount of seeds or equipment. That's also just as bad. They need those seeds and equipment to be successful. Yep. So regardless, the tithe was extremely unpopular. And in fact, the church would collect so much produce from this tax that it would have to be stored in a huge tithe barn. And some of these still stand today. There's one Uh in Maidstone, Kent. Okay. Which, to illustrate just how big this thing was, it now holds a collection of carriages. That's disgusting. So it was just food that was like rotting away? I don't know. I don't know if it was just like kind of how we have like grain elevators where we'll hold like 
yeah. seeds and stuff like that. I don't know if it was like that, but either way, it's disgusting that they would take that much from people who were poor and starving. It would be different if they like gave it back to like their parishioners. Yeah. Thank you. It was like their flock. <laughs> <laughs> they, are, sheeple. they are selfish shepherds. Conversely, if you were asked to work on church land, you didn't make any money. And even though this was really inconvenient yeah. for the lords that owned their own land, they couldn't go against the church as that would be going against God. Nice loophole. Yeah. Assholes. God says you can't have it. <laughs> it's not my, It's not me. I'm not the bad guy. God. God is. <laughs> God wants these taxes. Yeah. God said thou shall tax the fuck out of everyone. Amen. But not the church. In my name. Amen. If you tried to avoid paying taxes, it was almost impossible to do, as the king employed a domesday book that kept track of how much taxes you owed. And of course, once you paid your taxes, you could keep whatever was left. Mm -hmm. If you ended up giving away all of your seeds, for example, then you might end up not having enough to be able to grow food to feed yourself during the next season. Fun. So you were punished for being generous. You were punished as a peasant for doing exactly. too good of a job. Cool. If you were too good at your job or not quite good enough, you were punished. So essentially, in learning about what life was like for peasants in medieval England, it's safe to say that the chances of any of them having any sort of access to the amount of cash that was found is just like inconceivable. Like that's it yeah. would never have been anyone who was a farmer. It had to have been somebody who was a noble because there's just that's no more money than anyone would have seen in their lifetime. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> no peasant can buy an army. Nope. Or a flock of sheep. They, yeah. No. As I kind of mentioned, if I would have left it there, this would have been like the shortest episode in existence. Yeah. But I knew that there were funny and ridiculous taxes like that took place in history. Okay. So I wanted to take a deeper look to see why people may have wanted to avoid paying taxes altogether and not just in the Middle Ages. Okay. So here's where we get to the ridiculous part of the episode. Awesome. Perfect example took place during the time of the pharaohs of ancient Egypt. Awesome. They took tax payments to the extreme. Tax evasion could get you flogged or killed. Yeah. And one strange thing you could be taxed on was the practice of reusing cooking oil. Really? Why is that? The pharaohs employed a staff of scribes that would search homes for used oil. If they discovered used oil in your possession, you'd essentially be scolded, have to purchase new oil, and then have to pay a tax for breaking the law since reusing oil was considered illegal. Why? I don't know. Because they want you to keep buying new oil. Yeah. Yeah. You need to eat better. <laughs> Fresh oil. Don't use this nasty oil. So if you thought that was crazy, wait until you hear about ancient Rome. Oh, they were fun. Emperor Vespasian liked to make money. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways he did so was to charge taxes on urine. I mean, that's a quick way to make a buck for sure. How did he do that? So back in ancient Rome... Public toilets were a common thing. Makes sense. 
as was the occupation of urine collectors, which gross would not want to be employed in that at all. No, I bet it paid well because it was awful, but still. So urine was a hot commodity at that time because it was used for things such as tanning. Gross. In wool production. Okay. For cleaning and whitening woolen togas. Strange, but yeah, the acidity would work. And most disgusting of all, as a tooth whitener. Okay, I can see where how the kink developed over time. <laughs> Too much? <laughs> nope. So Vespasian decided, hey, I can make more money off of pee by charging a tax on everyone who uses the public toilets. Awesome. And that's what he did. As a funny aside... Vespasian died in a really spectacular fashion in 79 CE from explosive diarrhea. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Ouch. It said that he died as he said, quote, Dear me, I think I'm becoming a god. End quote. <laughs> yeah, that's some um, severe dehydration and dysentery there, my brother. Ouch. Oh. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know gods came about by uh, through shit, but sure. <laughs> Who knew explosive diarrhea was how you get closer to godliness? I thought cleanliness was the way, but apparently not in Rome. Not in Rome. Another famous tax in ancient Rome was brought about by Augustus, the first emperor of Rome. Okay. He was very fond of families and children, especially boys. Creepy. Sure. If you happen to be a man over 38 years old and were still unmarried, you would be slapped with the bachelor tax. Okay. Because you weren't producing offspring. Yeah, you weren't procreating enough. But that's not all. Mm -hmm. You'd also be banned from attending any public games, such as chariot races and gladiator matches. Cool. So I bet that brought about a lot of forced or arranged marriages. I'm sure it did. Fine. Thanks, Augustus. Augustus took it a step further by taxing any couples that practiced celibacy or didn't have children. Awesome. If you can't conceive, fuck you. <laughs> yep. This sounds downright barbaric to us today, but surprisingly, this practice wasn't just conducted in ancient Rome. Oh, no. It's, I bet. In fact, England enacted the same sort of tax on bachelors over 25 and childless widows in 1695. Cute. Because, of course, it's the woman's fault that her husband died before she could give him, you know, the gift of children. Right. It's always the woman's fault. It is. If you were a knight in England in the Middle Ages, you could be charged scuttage or the coward's tax for refusing <gasps> oh, to no. fight in a war or military campaign. Ah, so for going AWOL, essentially. Yep. The infamous King John who ruled from 1199 to 1216, often abused this practice by demanding payment from his knights, even when England wasn't currently engaged in any military battles. Cute. This is the King John during the Robin Hood era. That all makes sense now. Yep. The infamous Lord Protector Oliver Cromwell, who ruled over the British Isles from 1653 to 1658, really hated royalists. Because every time they tried to start some shit, he'd have to pay to raise a militia. Mm, yeah. So to combat this, he started taxing all royalists a decimation tax, which was a 10% income tax. Ouch. 
He claimed that it was entirely justified because he wouldn't need to finance any sort of militia in the first place if it wasn't for the royalists. If you just stop doing what you're doing, I wouldn't have to charge you money for it. Uh Uh-huh. That went really well. (laughs) I'm sure it did. Russia also had unique ways to tax its citizens, such as the beard tax that was instituted by Peter the Great in 1698. Beards are gross. Peter's reasoning was that he wanted his subjects to get, quote, up with the times, end quote, and start sporting the more Western European style of facial hair, which was a cleaner shave. Mm. In an effort to enforce this, he charged an annual beard tax. His poor subjects were allowed to keep their beards for two kopecks a year. The wealthier citizens of Russia were charged 100 rubles a year to keep their beards. If you refuse to pay the tax, you could be forcibly shaved by the police, which doesn't sound great. That doesn't sound pleasant, no. No hot towels. No hot towels for you. <laughs> Just the sharpest straight razor ever. Or the dullest, which would oh, be more fun. Oh, God. Ouch. People who paid the tax were given a copper token that they could carry to ensure that should they be stopped by an officer of the law, they could prove that they had paid their beard tax for the year. That sucks. It's so cold there. Yeah. Of course you can have beards. How else are you going to protect your face? Women would have beards. <laughs> I mean, I would try to grow one if I was in that <laughs> cold of an area. If you actually look up the coin, it has like an actual like beard emblem yeah, like on the coin. It's adorable. One common item you wouldn't really think about that the British thought was a great thing to tax was windows. Oh, fuck them. God damn it. The logic behind the tax that was put into place in 1696 was that if you had only a few windows in your home, you most likely were poor and unable to pay a lot of taxes. But if if you had a lot of windows, you must be Mr. Moneybags and be able to pay more taxes quite easily if you could splurge on so much glass. Mm. What if your windows did not have glass? (laughs) So there was a flat rate of two shillings or about 10 pounds, 70 pence per house. And okay. then you would be charged more if your house had more than 10 windows. Okay. If you had over 20 windows, you'd have to pay eight shillings or 43 pounds today. Ouch. Exceptions to this rule would be if the people who owned the home were receiving relief from their local parish. That's the first time I've heard of relief from these taxes. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, if you are receiving relief from your local church because you are super poor, you're not going to be able to pay your taxes. Right. That makes sense. Unfortunately for the British, this tax was contested a lot because it wasn't 100 percent clear what exactly constituted as a window. Mm -hmm. To avoid paying taxes, many people simply started bricking up their windows which ended up causing more harm than good. I bet. Because poor light and lack of proper ventilation increased the likelihood of you developing typhus, smallpox, or our favorite, cholera. Awesome. Thankfully, the British saw reason and repealed the act in 1851. You know, just 200 some years later. That's awesome. And if you think those were bad, the 18th century, also known as the Georgian era, took taxing people to a ridiculous level over the stupidest shit. No. What? 
So we're going to go into those right meow. Okay. The candle or beeswax tax came about in 1709, making it illegal for anyone to make their own candles at home unless they had a license to do so. Okay. One way that the industrious people of England circumvented this tax was to create alternative lighting known as rush lighting. Rushes were dipped in animal fat and then left out to harden. And even though they would only provide light for a short period of time, they were tax-free and could be lit from either end. It's believed that these may have been the inspiration for the famous phrase to burn the candle at both ends. Oh, that makes sense. But also super dangerous. Yeah. So, but don't quote me on that. I would say you'd have to have it in like a dish because just going to get animal fat and fire everywhere. <laughs> Which is super awesome and totally not gross or anything. Yeah. It's fine. In 1712, Britain introduced a tax on wallpaper since it was a cheap alternative to tapestries and paneling. Okay. They taxed people for purchasing patterned, painted, or printed wallpaper to the tune of one pence per square yard, which would be about 45 pence today. Okay. And they increased the tax to one shilling, or about two pounds, 34 pence today, for a single square yard by 1809. So they significantly upped the price of the taxes. Yeah. To get around paying this insane tax, people would purchase plain paper and then have it hand stenciled, which was totally legal. Uh huh. The tax was eventually abolished in 1836. In the 18th century, gin and tonics were quite popular with the residents of London, so much okay. so that it had a nickname, Mother's Ruin. Gross. The government was so concerned with this increase in consumption, which often led to increases in crime that they put a tax on it to try and reduce its rate of consumption. That makes sense. This didn't end how they anticipated. What? And actually caused riots in London in 1743. Fun. The tax wasn't abolished completely, but it was reduced over the following years. Okay. Glass production was a booming business. So in 1745, the Glass Excise Act was put into place to charge taxes based on weight. At that time, glasses typically had thick stems. So a way that merchants combated this tax was to introduce glasses with hollow stems because they wouldn't weigh as much. Yeah. Unlike in England, Ireland didn't have the same taxes imposed on glass production. So it was cheaper to purchase glassware than to have it produced locally, which was good for Ireland, I guess. Yeah. 1783 saw the introduction of a tax on medicines that were sold by anyone who wasn't a licensed surgeon, druggist, or apothecary. Okay. This tax was replaced by the Medicine Stamp Act in 1812, which stated that the stamp duty that was paid needed to be attached to the packaging. If it wasn't, then the product wasn't recognized as being to a certain standard or to be made with a well-known recipe, which, I mean, fair. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. If the medicine itself cost one shilling, or about two pounds, then the tax was one and a half pence, which would be about 18 pence today. Okay. This charge was proportionate to the amount of medicine that was purchased. So basically just kind of like a sales tax. Yeah, sounds like it. The brick tax was introduced in 1784 as a way to raise money to fight those nasty Americans in the colonies. Oh, no, not us. 
people were taxed four shillings per thousand bricks, or about 17 pounds today. As we've said, people find a way to avoid taxes whenever possible, and a way that the British avoided paying a lot on taxes was to make bigger bricks, so you wouldn't have to use as many. <laughs> nice. Nope. England just changed the rules and instituted a standard brick size. Awesome. The other option was to use more timber than brick as a building agent. Which caused more fires. <laughs> Pretty much. This tax didn't get abolished until 1850 when it was viewed as more of a hindrance once industrialization gained traction in the country. See, this is why we threw all the tea in the harbor. Because they were like, oh, we're going to make you pay for all these bricks that you used to build your house. But now that we're building factories and we have to use all these bricks, we don't want to pay those taxes. So it's done. So we're done now. Okay. LOL. Love you. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for helping us pay for that war against those pesky Americans. A man named William Pitt imposed an interesting tax in 1797 called the clock and watch tax. Gross. Really? Yep. We're going to tax time. <laughs> like, really? Yeah. God damn it. The tax required people to pay five shillings or about Stop 11 it. pounds for every clock they had, even within That's... your own home, not just what your business. What if you're like a clockmaker? Oh, my God. You're done. Yeah. Residents had to pay two shillings and six pence or about five and a half pounds today for pocket watches that were made of silver or other metals while pocket watches that were made of gold required residents to pay 10 shillings which is about 22 pounds today that's awful people were really pissed about this yeah this is why we left <laughs> so the bill only lasted nine months thankfully but still nine months yeah in terms of time <laughs> that's a long time and a lot of money for time. Yeah. Was there a yield watch shortage after that? Because I would understand. They just brought back sundials. Like, for like black this, market. This isn't a clocks. clock. It's a sundial. They, they just had like stones on their wrists. <laughs> what time is it? I don't know. I got to go outside. It's cloudy. Oh, it's sometime today. I don't know. I don't know it's how to write a sundial. It's later. <laughs> But at least I'm saving myself $11. How do you read a sundial when it's raining? I don't know. It's always raining there. God damn it. It's sometime today. That's all I know. It's just, it's sometime today. Hat taxes were instituted with the assumption that if you were wealthy, you likely had a lot of hats. If you were poor, you weren't likely to own a hat. Therefore, you wouldn't have to pay the tax. LOL. It's a skin, skin cancer initiative. <laughs> As a result, milliners had to put revenue stamps inside the lining of the hats they produced to ensure that the taxes were paid. Gross. There were extremely hefty fines if you failed to pay the tax, and you could face the death penalty if you forged a revenue stamp. Death by hat. I couldn't find an exact date for this one but a tax was put on playing cards that remained in effect until 1960. What? Cards were seen as addictive gambling, so the government viewed it as an easy source of income, kind of like how we get money from casinos. And lotteries here. In order to prevent people from refusing to pay taxes, customs would hold on to the Ace of Spades card. What? 
and would only issue duty once the tax had been paid by the card maker. That's hilarious. Yeah. You can't play your games, children. <laughs> Pay me and I'll give you a complete deck. <laughs> Jeez. Otherwise, you're never going to win solitaire. How many games were developed without that card during that time? I have no idea. You wouldn't be able to play poker. Yeah. So you just do something else. Mm hmm. Old maid. That's how Slapjack was invented. <laughs> <laughs> I win. Because <laughs> they were equal parts bored and frustrated. So they just hit <laughs> each other's hands instead of. This is fun. And it's cheaper than buying all that gin. Right. This is better than gambling. <laughs> it's more fun I getting slapped. It. It's so great. Soap makers were charged a huge levy on all soap they manufactured to the point that many of them left the country entirely to avoid paying the tax. Which is something they needed yeah the law stated that soap production had to be batched to the tune of one ton and nothing less fun so all all of the cute little etsy soap makers would just be done yep tax collectors went to the extreme by locking up the pans that soap makers used at night to prevent them from illegally producing soap after hours yeah none of those etsy shops would exist anymore yeah so, like, once the workday was done, they're like, okay, we get your pans now. And they, like, lock them up so they couldn't do anything. That's crazy. This made soap a luxury item that few could afford. Ugh. And it wasn't commonly used until the mid-1800s. Gross. Soap. That's awful. Soap. That's why we left, okay? <laughs> it, wasn't just the, it wasn't just the bricks. We wanted to be clean. I demand cleanliness. We probably weren't that clean, but we had the option of being clean. We had the clean. option of being clean <laughs> and making soap that wasn't one ton's worth of soap. Yeah, we put dried lavender in ours. Mm -hmm. Further taxes over the years that I couldn't find a lot of information on included a glove tax, perfume oh, tax, yeah. luxuries, a newspaper tax. <laughs> How dare you learn to read? Give us money. A hired horse duty tax. Yeah, that makes sense. A tax on coaches. A silver plate tax. Hilarious. And even a tax on male servants. You can hire white men? <laughs> you must be rich. <laughs> Obviously, many of these were aimed at the wealthy. Which is surprising. Yeah, but still pretty crazy. Yeah. And that is my history of medieval tax evasion and some of the reasons people probably didn't want to pay taxes in the first place <laughs> that's fair truly awesome well that was very surprising and as a caveat because i realize after i open my mouth i'm sorry if i insulted anybody from america or from england <laughs> saying my like that's why we left <laughs> <laughs> Some people feel it's too soon. So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, it's only been hundreds of years, and you know, it's a few I mean, it's only been a there, few centuries, but it's fine. There a century, needs to be at least. a few, a few more centuries before it's okay. Yeah, if you've learned anything today, is that you should go and support local small businesses. Yeah, go find a cute little soap shop that has like. Have you seen those 
cute homemade ones that are like unicorn poop and they, they're like glittery and stuff and they smell like candy. No. They're really cute and they like put so much work into it. I mean, they sound adorable. I just, I yeah. personally don't want to be covered in glitter, but I know my children would love something like that. Right? That's what I was thinking. One of their birthdays is coming up. There you go. Would she like to smell like cupcakes? Towers, <laughs> <laughs> Towers. It's me, your host, Kylie Dills. Talentless Talent is a podcast about those with extraordinary talent. We're talking about conspiracy theories. We're talking to comedians. We're talking to painters. We are talking to those who make portraits. We're talking to dollhouse makers. We are talking to people about sports. We're talking to comedians. We're talking to sex workers. We're talking to models. We're talking to videographers. We have it all, including a very special Pickle time. Talentless Talent is hosted by me, Kylie Dills, somebody who has no talent. So be sure to tune in, tune it in every Thursday. I'll catch you there, my Talentless Talent babes. We're having a good time. Talentless Talent. Talentless Talent. Talentless Talent. Talentless Talent with Kylie Dills. So this week's podcast plug is the Oracle Network's podcast of the month, which is the Talentless Talent podcast with Kylie. Awesome. So Kylie listens to other people's perspectives, learns about new talents or hobbies, and dives into the world of people with unique gifts, talents, and what it means to be good at something. So Talentless Talent picks out guests with different personalities, viewpoints, and the ability to create. So you can join her each week for some laughs, learn about some pretty unique people and about a variety of different topics. And we'll include a link to her show in the show notes. Cool. And this week's listener question comes from our friend Chris at the Dialect Crime podcast. Okay. Hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. And he wants to know, what's your personal file naming convention for your research? Which is a question for me. LOL. Of the of the like three things I've done, I think they're scattered about my Google Drive. I don't even think they're in one folder. I think I don't know if this like pertains to what I named the episodes because the episodes are like weird random names every week. Yeah, as we've mentioned in the past, I have a crazy Google spreadsheet that I use (laughs) to manage my entire life, basically with this podcast. The Excel is extra large. It's extra large and in charge. Mm -hmm. So everything is obviously named by whatever the episode number is. So I can Mm -hmm. keep track of it in chronological order. But whenever I name the episodes, I typically don't name anything until either after I finished writing the episode or until after we finished recording the episode. Because then that gives me an idea of like a funny thing we could call it. Yep. Taglines and stuff. And that's kind of the same principle I use when I'm coming up with the description of the episode is calling out different things we highlight throughout the episode that are funny or attention grabbing. That makes sense. So that's my personal file naming convention for the show. 
The three I've done are pure chaos. I don't know where they are. (laughs) (laughs) They're somewhere in the ether. Mm -hmm. So what's something good you'd like to share this week? I won at bingo. (gasps) (laughs) You did? I did. So my partner and I, we're currently long distance, kind of. Like, we're about an hour away from each other. And every Tuesday, we meet halfway in this town. At, that has a sports bar with bingo. And we stumbled upon this on one of our dates because we were going to do a different restaurant every time. And I found this restaurant and I it had a couple like arcade games. And I was like, that's kind of cool. And so we showed up on bingo night and fell in love with it. And so we go every week now. And there's this one game called The Diamond. Mm. And I, I mess it up every time. I never get it right. And there's definitely been a time or like you get like a bingo sheet for like one game and mm-hmm. it's three different cards mm-hmm. for two weeks. I had not a single number oh my God. during the diamond game. Like it was just a blank sheet. So I felt like it was cursed. And then this, this week I got the first four numbers for the diamond. Ooh. And when I, when I yelled out bingo, somebody in the corner was like, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like really mad about it. And I got, <laughs> and I got 75 bucks. That's so, awesome. Yeah. I, I thought it was, it was awesome that like I won on my worst game. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. The only so. time I've ever won at bingo was... I think I mentioned it once on this show. I won it four corners. Yep. And I won 50 bucks. That's awesome. And that was an amazing yeah. achievement. We actually, we got kind of sad because where where we play bingo, it's going to be too far away to like go from our, where we're going to live. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't really make sense. And we like made friends with the server. His name is Joey and he's the best. He like, he reserves a table for us every week in the back because I bring Willie and he has w- a bowl of cold water for Willie as Aww. soon as we get there. And he like knows our appetizer order. <laughs> it's just really Aww. cute. So every time we go, like because we're moving next month, we just get kind of sad. <laughs> but I don't know if you and Thomas want a new like date thing. It's it's close enough to you guys where you could do bingo. I think you'd really like it. Send me the information later. I will. I don't know if I should shout them out or not. So I'll. I'd, yeah, just send I'll me just... the information later. Yeah, cool. You should give Joey some sort of remember me gift. Like we will. On your last He's on night. vacation. He's on vacation this week, so we don't know if we want to go. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> he's just so good at it. Apparently, this is the first vacation he's taken in five years. Aww. Like he hasn't missed a single a single bingo night in five years. Wow. I know. I was like, that's dedication, dude. Yeah, that's my good thing. Awesome. Hi, Joey. We love you. <laughs> What's your good thing? My good thing, as we alluded to at the top. So thanks for sticking around. Yay. <laughs> You're no longer cursed. You're no longer cursed. <laughs> but like share this with five of your friends. <laughs> <laughs> that part's real. <laughs> It was my birthday on Saturday. Happy birthday. Thank you. And it was a really fun day. And it was actually when you have kids. (laughs) 
nothing is ever about you anymore, ever, even when it's your birthday. And every year, inevitably, some sort of kerfuffle happens where like it detracts from my birthday and makes it more about like whatever fighting, whatever the fight was. But yesterday was pretty good. I didn't have to get up super early. I was able to kind of just enjoy my morning. We went and had ramen at my favorite ramen place. Nice. But we did it at a different location. So it was a a new location, but the same like chain. Nice. I love it so much. We went to the Roseville location, which is in the Harmar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Harmar Mall. And it was delightful. And then we went to Maplewood, which has sustainable safari zoo on the second floor. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I guess has been on TikTok. So like more people are kind of learning about it, but you pay like a flat rate to go in and you can pay more for however much food you want to buy to like feed the animals. Mm -hmm. But they've got like 200 animals there. They've got a bunch of like kangaroos. They've got tons of goats because everybody loves goats. They're asking for like a Disney movie where like some sort of magic happens and the animals escape into the mall. That'd be awesome. The worst thing that could get out would be a baby alligator. <laughs> yeah, he's just hanging out. That you could just like pick up and he'd be like, I'm ready to go back. Like he's, he's just eating corn dogs at like Auntie Anne's <laughs> pretzel shop or something. I don't know. He just goes and attacks um Aunt Annie's uh pretzel dogs. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Auntie Anne's <laughs> Yeah. But they've got kangaroos, they've got porcupines. That's crazy. Wolverines, like the American Wolverine llamas an otter lemurs they've got a guinea pig village so they've got like this little like hilarious area that has a bunch of like the little fake houses and stuff and it's just like Mm -hmm. a bunch of guinea pigs just kind of wandering this little fake town they should have a hamster village with like you know those like church scapes those like porcelain yeah like villages with snow and stuff they also have um a prairie dog area where you can like you can fish for the prairie dog. So what you do is you take a fishing rod that's got this little mm-hmm. metal dish on the end of it and you put mm-hmm. the food in the dish and then you try to like hang Feed them. the hook and the fish hook like over or the fishing rod like over the thing to get them to like eat out of the dish. It's hilarious. I just love their little noises when they ha- when they talk to each other when they're like Pew! <laughs> <laughs> It's really cute. Oh god. So this place was really cool and the main reason I wanted to go is because they have capybaras mm-hmm. and you can pay $10 to sit in and feed and pet capybaras that's awesome. to like go in their enclosure. So that's what I did because I've mentioned, I don't know if it's been on this podcast, but I have said in the past that if I ever won a lot of money, I would want to have my own capybara farm mm-hmm. and raise capybaras because they're amazing. And if you, for whatever reason, have no idea what a capybara is, first of all, how dare you? And second, <laughs> they're like the world's largest rodent. So they're essentially a, a giant guinea pig. Yeah. They're about the size of an Australian shepherd dog. Yeah. And they've got three toes, three toed feet. But I got to have this capybara experience and feed them like carrot straws. And they make sounds like guinea pigs do. Mm-hmm. And their fur is very coarse like uh trying to think of straw like kind of like straw yeah and i discovered that when you give them scratches if they really like what you're doing their fur stands up on end like it's like they're like like, they get goosebumps yeah 
So he was like, I don't know which one I was giving scritches to because they have three and two of them came up when it was when I was feeding them. And then they were kind of like, eh, right, I lay it back down again. But the one hung out and mm-hmm. was like letting me scratch it and stuff. And uh, it flooped up and it was adorable. Cute. So that was like the highlight of my day yesterday. And then we went home, went out on the lake and had pizza for dinner. And it was nice. it was a good day. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. That's my good thing. It's a very good thing. Happy birthday. Thanks. Shall we shut her down? We shall. You can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com. We're also on Twitter at yieldcrimepod, on Instagram at yieldcrimepodcast. We're also on YouTube. We have a P.O. box. You can mail us whenever, whatever, to Yield Crime Podcast, P.O. Box 341, Wyoming, Minnesota, 55092. There's a warning. You have two weeks left to get a trampoline. Yep. This is your two-week warning. This is your two-week warning. There's one at Walmart for $200. It's green. (laughs) (laughs) They get shipped same day. Just letting you know that it's there. Is it safe? Who knows? Is it big enough? Yes. Uh, And it has a cage. (laughs) It has a net, so it's safer. When you say cage, it just reminds me of like a cage match. Like it's just like the the Thunderdome. You can also email us at yieldcrimepodcast at gmail.com. We are extremely low on questions. So please submit your questions. You can put questions in the trampoline box when you mail it. There you go. Or you can also send us topic suggestions if you want. We'll put it in that big old Excel. There you go. A great way to support the show, if you can't do so financially, is to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or Good Pods. And this one comes from Apple Podcasts, from number one Curtis from the UK. <laughs> and it says, a great show, five stars. The Ye Old Crime Podcast is an entertaining and interesting show. It's a dark humor show. I definitely recommend <laughs> taking a listen. I love that we're dark humor. We are pretty dark humor. We are. It's pretty dark. (laughs) If you'd like to support us financially, you can do so on Buy Me a Coffee with a one-time donation. You can also support us monthly on Patreon for as low as a dollar a month. We also have five, ten, and fifteen dollar tiers. You can purchase our merch on our T Public store. There is a sale this week, August 18th through the 21st, where you can enjoy 35% off. Everything in the store, including this week's new merch design, because as we've said before, we are releasing new designs every week this month for our birthdays. Birthday! And on that note, as always, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Madison. And we'll see you next time with another tale. As old as crime.